Hi, I'm Kieran Cook, and welcome to At Source Podcast, a place where natural health and well-being are at the forefront of the conversation. Gain useful insights direct from the source from doctors, industry experts, wellness advocates, and everything in between. This is a place for busy people who want to get to the core of health and wellness with information about the latest health advances and trends. In this series, we talk with and learn from inspiring leaders from all walks of life, touching on important topics that will help answer some of the key questions about natural health, well-being, fitness, and all things direct from the source. Susanna Shelton has had a long history with homeopathy and natural health. She has worked and lived in five different countries, including the USA, Scotland, England, New Zealand and Australia. Her passion lies in excellence, integrity and infinite curiosity when it comes to natural health. Her kids refer to her as Brit, short for Encyclopedia Britannica, because of her ability to cross-reference knowledge. Susanna is a lifelong learner, with having served as Principal and CEO of the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy in New Zealand for 22 years, before having an eight-year sabbatical and VIP tourism based in the Bay of Plenty. She is currently back at the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy in New Zealand as a co-director, working to continue innovating ways the college can provide education in natural therapy and homeopathy with a commitment to wellness and sustainability. Well, a warm welcome to Susanna. Susanna Shelton here at the At Source podcast with me today to talk about your impressive uh, contribution to homeopathy, your 20 plus years where you've um, given a lot to educating students primarily in natural health and wellness, both in New Zealand and Australia. And I'm really interested in doing a deep dive um, into the hearts of the questions and issues and information around homeopathy. And, And look, I'll put my hand up and say that I don't know a lot about this. So for me, having done some initial research, I'm very curious and I'm looking forward to today's conversation. So thank you very much for joining us. So yeah, what a journey you've had. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your passion for natural health and where it all began and why homeopathy? Uh, that's fantastic. Thanks for that um, warm welcome. Uh, kia ora to all of my friends there in New Zealand. Uh, I'll just uh, give you a little bit of background about you know what captured me with homeopathy. And I was very lucky because it was a personal experience. Uh, I had been very interested in science. Uh, I was a girly swat in high school. Um, I went off to study medicine at uni. And I have huge respect for the conventional uh, medical model, but I also could see even uh, in the early days of my study that there were real gaps in understanding around wellness. And particularly, um, I think, under appreciation of the the mind-body connection uh, and the unfortunate uh, uh, quick um, implementation of surgery and like very um, potentially uh, strong side effect medications. And that for many things, lifestyle, diet, nutrition, um, uh, meditation may have been the first order of business to help people. So I kind of picked that up really at a very early age. So just taking you back, this was when you lived in the United States. You were a young a young student. Mm-hmm. Yep. And am I right that you're originally from Virginia? Mm. 
That's right. Yeah. Virginia is my home. Okay. Uh, and uh, I was very involved with medical research also at Johns Hopkins Medical School uh, and University of Virginia, uh, where I worked in a neurophysiology lab. So once again, I had a real appreciation for the scientific method uh, and approaches uh, to documenting and getting evidence about health outcomes uh, and what would be useful. But um, my personal frustration was around lifelong eczema. I had had eczema from a baby, and for many years I'd had the conventional treatment, uh, which is pretty similar to what it is today, which is topical steroids. And the more I learned about the long-term side effects of uh, steroid use and and also that um, it was not recommended to be used in the kind of quantities that I did to keep um, my um, skin uh, under control, uh, I decided I was going to look for something else. And I had a a friend who was uh, also a medical student, and she suggested homeopathy. Now, by this time, I was actually living in Scotland. I was there on a one-year study abroad course, and um, I had never heard of homeopathy growing up in the States, but it was quite prominent and still is in the UK. So my friend, I remember her saying, um, oh, um, if it's good enough for the queen, it's good enough for you, as a bit of a joke. Uh, because the royal family have been great exponents uh, and users of homeopathy now since the 1820s. Uh, And I had a a brilliant experience where I went to see a homeopath that was trained both as a registered nurse and as a registered midwife. And ironically, also, she had spent uh, several years in New Zealand doing what they called home confinements in those days, which is a quaint way of, of talking about home births. Uh, She had lived in the Taranaki district uh, and had uh, uh, gone to live in with farming families in particular towards the due date uh, and being there to support women um, who were birthing at home, uh, which was a pretty novel concept because I'd heard about that in uh, pioneer days in America. But by the time, you know, my generation came along, it was definitely a hospital only experience uh, unless there was an, an accident in the car park. Anyway, um, my homeopathic consultation was like something very different. It asked me about my food cravings, how I responded to weather, um, more about personal uh, worries and anxieties and goals. It was a very holistic interview, and it wasn't just about my skin, even though she took the classic parameters of where that is um, and, you know, are there anything that make it worse or better? And at the end of the consultation, she gave me um, three little pills to take. And I thought, is that all? Uh, And she explained to me that with homeopathy, one of the central principles is that we um, individualize your treatment and then we give you the minimum amount, hopefully to stimulate your body's ability to heal itself. Well, I was very skeptical, but I um, followed her directions and I took these three little pills over 24 hours as directed. And what was the, the first thing I noticed was the next morning I woke up without having to have an alarm. And at that time in my life, I used to have two alarms that I hid in different places in the room because I would wake up, turn one off and then go back to sleep and usually miss my morning lecture. 
Um, the uh, And I felt really good. It was like I had been plugged into the mains. So I thought, well, that's probably just a coincidence. Uh, but what I was really impressed with was within the next two weeks, my eczema completely disappeared. This is after taking three little pills. Three little pills. And okay. I've been having topical steroids since I was a child. And I stopped taking the um, the topical steroids. Within two weeks, the eczema was completely gone. My energy levels shot through the roof. And I thought, gosh, there's something to this. This is pretty profound. Um, and now that was 42 years ago, and I have I had no recurrence of uh, the eczema. This is after three little pills, still. Three little pills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, I'm yep. listening. You've got me yeah. listening. Yeah. So I thought, oh, my gosh, that is really impressive. So um, the lovely homeopath uh, had given me a little uh, book of explanation about homeopathy for patients. And I read that, was really intrigued by the philosophy, and I wanted to learn more. So I started to uh, um, do deep dive myself. And I started to read uh, pretty widely about homeopathy. And then I decided to segue my studies and enroll in a homeopathy course. So this is moving away from conventional medicine Mm -hmm. to alternative natural Mm. medicines. Yes, yes. Remedies, as you'd call them. I know, and remedies. And and it was um, um, quite a a big leap of faith for me, um, having grown up uh, as um, um, uh, a child of an army officer in the U.S. Army who was an engineer, and my brother's a doctor. You know, we're very much a kind of scientific, um, you'll have to show me through experimentation kind of family. So I was very skeptical, but I was I knew something was going on here and I needed to find out more about it. And I also it plugged into my um, real desire to be useful and helpful to other people. Uh, so homeopathy brought that uh, uh, together for me and I enrolled in a formal um, homeopathic training course in London. So that's where I did my uh, initial training. Um, I also started investigating what was going on in the United States in terms of education, and I did some of their training programs that were designed for medical students uh, as part of enhancing my um, understanding and getting exposed to different educational paradigms around how you teach homeopathy. Um, And I think that because I had some fabulous teachers, I wanted to become a teacher myself as well as a practitioner. That's usually how it works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a really rounded response, and I'm 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 impressed. I mean, I'm curious about it because it sounds like you've come from conventional study, you know, the academic, the scientific, and so for you to reroute, it was a leap of faith. I'm sure mm. your family probably looked at you through narrowed eyes for a while. I <laughs> wondered that's if you right. needed some help beyond remedies. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So I think he, yeah. you know the proof was in the pudding. Um, and, you know, I, it's one of those things that I appreciate so much uh, with New Zealanders. They're all about, does it work? It's like the, the number eight wire uh, mentality as well. What can we do with what we have in front of us? And with my parents, they were like, wow, you are so much healthier. And they had seen the scratching and the inflammation and sometimes infection of the skin over the years. And they could see that it was gone. So they were like, whatever you're doing, honey, you just keep doing it. 
Um, That's good. So you had the right support to, to get in behind you. Just just for our listeners uh, who may not be well acquainted with um, homeopathy, I'm just interested in the principle of similars or like cures like because these mm. seem to be two very key words that would sort of underpin or define the practice of homeopathy, mm. right? Mm. What does this and mean? I didn't even understand what that was all about when I first went to see the homeopath. Uh, and it was one of those things where I started to appreciate it the more I looked into it. Um, one of the simplest ways of explaining that is that homeopaths uh, have realized since the beginning of the development of the therapy that um, if you give someone uh, a substance and it causes symptoms, then you can actually use that same symptoms to cure symptoms. So I'll give you a really like good example for this. And it would be um, Alium Sepa, which is red onion. Now, if you um, cut up onion, um, we've all experienced that thing where your eyes start to run, um, they get a bit itchy, um, you get a bit of nasal discharge. It's very much like the symptoms people experience at the beginning of a cold, or typical hay fever response. And so the remedy that's used most uh, frequently for the beginnings of colds, when you've got the very strong runny eyes and nose, uh, or hay fever symptoms that have that same uh, symptom picture, you give alium sepa or onion. So it can cause and it can cure. Right, it's a it's a great uh, a great analogy because I was just cooking onions last night and I said to my son, <laughs> if there was one thing, there's one thing I detest in the kitchen, it's cutting onions. And mm. I've just noticed that Countdown and New World now put onions in bags and they're all pre-chopped, so you can stay away from that rather laborious exercise in the kitchen. No, that's a really shortcut. interesting. Mm. So, uh, like cures like, that's a great definition of that. So established only for two hundred years, and I say only, I mean yeah, two hundred years is a good length of time, but mm. for some, say, Chinese medicines and some of the more ancient, um, you know, medicines that have been around for much longer than that. So mm. 200 years long and established by a German physician, Samuel Hahnemann, is that right? Hahnemann. That's correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm interested in what sort of character he was to bring these insights to the world. I, I think one of the things that appealed to me um, it, when I first started reading about Samuel Hahnemann's story is that he was a very dedicated and gifted physician. Uh, and um, it, he was practicing at a time, though, when medicine was a very uh, toxic and scary business. Uh, the use of uh, bloodletting, uh, leeches, uh, mercury was one of the, the main uh, medicines used at the time. And we now know that it causes so many uh, horrific, toxic effects in people. And um, he had graduated like top of his class, uh, was um, uh, very noted for his intelligence. But when he went into practice, he decided that he was doing more harm than good. And he had taken the Hippocratic Oath, which physicians all around the world still take, which is to do no harm. And he was a man of very high conscience, and he said, I can't continue to do this. Um, so he stopped practicing medicine. Unfortunately, he ended up having 12 kids, so he had bills to pay. 
uh, and uh, he fell back actually on his um, uh, gift with languages and started translating medical textbooks in order to feed the family. Uh, and that's when he came across this idea of like cures like uh, and putting it to the test when he was reading about the use of quinine. Now, most of us um, know about quinine from tonic water. Uh, it's, um, it has a bitter taste to it. If you've had a, a, a gin and tonic, you know uh, the flavor. Uh, quinine's also been used for many, many years as a, a effective treatment in malaria. And Hahnemann made the connection between um, quinine being used for malaria uh, and also for fevers. And that led him to uh, develop the whole uh, pharmacy of homeopathic medicines. Right. So you'd you'd call that proving, right? There was something that's right, like a pr- proving proof of proof mm, of concept. Mm, mm. So uh, just I want to take you back to where you were so deeply inspired in the earlier days with your studies, and you were motivated, obviously, here to educate and to impart knowledge to others. And actually, just talking to you today, I can see your passion and just how concisely you communicate, and it is, it's very, very engaging. I just wanted to talk about the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy, right? It is New Zealand's leading homeopathy college, mm-hmm. and I understand that you provide high-quality education there. I guess I am interested in, in how you would pitch alternative medicine to prospective students as opposed to, say, those students being seduced by modern or more traditional medicines. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that we have found over the years is that a lot of the students that come to us have deep life experience and they are looking to uh, complement maybe uh, previous studies. So over the years, we've had many nurses, midwives, pharmacists, uh, general practitioners, uh, physiotherapists, um, also clinical psychologists who have come to study to add homeopathy um, mm. as one of the therapeutic options that they can offer people. Got it. Okay, so just, just to clarify, these are sort of more mature individuals. They're not 18 or 19-year-olds necessarily coming straight off the blocks. Mm. Typically, that's been the, the, the case historically. And a lot of women, particularly, um, uh, we have a high proportion of females, where um, when they hit particularly childbearing years, like when they're having their babies and they're bringing up their families and they're looking for natural and safe alternatives. And when they try out homeopathy and they see the results, then they want to, to, to do the, the um, deeper delving. And then we have really um, um, designed our courses to be really flexible for people that are coming into study later in life or wanting to do this alongside of working I saw uh, that. Yeah, there was some flexibility about starting. You could elect to run part-time or full-time. And mm. I can see you're also getting geared up to be able to support international students too. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Um, just one little point there, Karen, which is that a lot of younger people, I would say, you know, I'm a parent of millennials. And what I've noticed is that that there is a real questioning around sustainability, around 
um, uh, lifestyle and uh, healthy um, approaches to medicine. And we're getting a, a younger and younger uh, group of people who are wanting to explore homeopathy, um, sometimes straight out of school or in their early 20s. I, I agree with you. I've got a Gen Z and mm-hmm. I've even noticed that this is uh, this awareness is very much in the Gen Z set as well. Hence shifts to plant-based food and, and you know, Gen Zs and millennials, I think, are really driving that, um, that consciousness, that, um, that awareness that we want to keep the planet green and clean mm. more so than, you know, my generation. So I, I would agree with that observation. So you may actually see, as, as you're possibly suggesting, uh, that younger recruits will come in. Um, mm-hmm. Just with yep. this sort of renewed interest, bit of a shift in the demographics, and and also a massive uh, increase in people wanting to help their animals uh, and their gardens uh, by coming up with non toxic uh, interventions, things that will strengthen the soil, strengthen the uh, the animal population, and homeopathy fits that bill very well. Does it? So is that more? Is that a consideration in the the animal? homeopathy course or is that something that would come up more in the human based course Uh, in terms of the way we've designed the curriculum in recent years is that we wanted to introduce some uh, more understanding about animal health um, also to the students that were studying human homeopathy and back in 2002 we had uh, the first and only um, animal homeopathy course that was approved in New Zealand and uh, that was really based on the fact that really back to the 19th century and, and Samuel Hahnemann, who we mentioned before, uh, homeopathy has been used really successfully in animals. So there's a strong uh, um, flax roots movement in New Zealand of using homeopathy on conventional as well as organic farms. So uh, a couple of our graduates have started uh, homeopathic farm support, uh, which is a Waikato-based uh, business. And uh, their uh, focus is to offer support to people who want to integrate homeopathy into uh, the animal health programs uh, on their farms, as well as companion animals, because we all love our furry friends and want to do the best by them. Absolutely. Um, I mean, pets in general and animals, it's such a growing category, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm interested. I mean, obviously, technology has aided uh, you to be able to offer online courses. And I noticed that these were provided pre-COVID. So it wasn't necessarily a driver to set them up during COVID. It must have been an insight that you had that online learning was the way to be, you know, to, to be heading. Mm. Uh, so just I'm interested in, in how technologies really enhanced the college's offering and perhaps just facilitated uh, student engagement, professional engagement among peers even. And this is um, really um, a long-term passion that I've had is to make uh, high-quality education uh, in natural health and homeopathy available online or in flexible learning programs. And my inspiration goes right back to when I was studying in the UK when uh, a good friend of mine was a professor at the Open University. I'd never heard of the Open University, but they were one of the um, international leaders in 
very high quality distance learning programs, which would also give opportunities for people who maybe hadn't really achieved highly at school, didn't go straight into tertiary, uh, had um, uh, lifestyle um, and um, career commitments that meant they had to study in between spaces of their life. Sure. And when I came first to New Zealand, um, Massey University was also a leader uh, in this sort of provision of extramural, as we tended to call it, uh, um, in Aotearoa. So my very first year of teaching um, at the Homeopathy College um, in Bay of Plenty was 1991, and we had a tripod with a massive camera set up in the back of the room. And um, uh, people who are old enough to remember or who watched like Back to the Future uh, would know that we had big VHS cassettes uh, that was embedded in the camera and we recorded directly onto that. We used those as masters to uh, make copies and we sent those out to students all over the country. So we started to provide homeopathy for people from Kaitaia to the Bluff. Mm. Uh, and our first um, distance graduate was uh, 1994. I mean, that's very early, very early. You must have been one of the few institutions doing that work at that time. Yes, and I remember our big account we had at the post office because we, we spent a lot of time down at the post office posting out these VHS tapes of the uh, face-to-face learning environment uh, and as well as on um, uh, uh, literal hard copy photocopies. Um, then we moved to DVDs when that was available, and we um, had real frustrations in the early days, like trying to create a learning system online because the broadband uh, capability really wasn't there. Uh, but we've been very fortunate to see that, that technology's gone, and we've been able to use this traditional medical uh, um, system and deliver it with the highest quality, uh, up-to-date learning um, resources. So we can do assessments. We do face-to-face tutorials uh, with students so we get good pastoral care. And so it's not just a a, um, faceless uh, interaction and trying to build community, uh, but using the virtual platform for that. Mm. So I I can understand that sort of internally you've got a system that engages you know, your students and and learners, Uh, what are you doing externally to raise the profile, like the education piece Mm. around the work that you're doing? Because there are, there's got to be many people out there that don't understand anything. And, and of course it is a a little contentious. I saw an article recently in the Herald, right, where you speak to some of the concerns from mainstream medicine, um, GPs and practitioners speaking out and you're, you know, I guess, uh, I guess supporting the practice of homeopathy and challenging, you know, practitioners, general practitioners who don't understand it to actually find out more about what it actually is before they condemn it. So to me, it seems like there's a lot of education to be done so that you're not just doing a, you know, a reactive Q&A with the Herald or with other articles. So I'm just curious, what, what are you doing in that space? Oh, great question. Uh, and this is the flax root um, answer because it's sharing um, those uh, um, stories of how uh, people and animal health has improved and then offering uh, people the opportunity to learn even without having to engage with a formal enrollment. Um, so at the college, we uh, have a homeopathy at home 
uh, course, which is a short course that is available free of charge. Uh, and it uh, is um, an interactive on the learning platform. So you can uh, uh, ask to enroll in that at any time. There's no assessments. It's uh, designed to give you um, uh, the background and uh, practical information of how you could use some of our basic remedies at home. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then if you want to go further, you can. Yeah. So, uh, uh, excellent. So that piece of work uh, has been done. It's sitting there, of course, communicating that that's readily available is, is the key. Mm. Yeah. I mean, what channels are you moving in to, to share that good news? Well, in the last couple of years, we've gotten much more engaged in uh, social media. And uh, that's one of the, the avenues that we know people are getting their information uh, through um, sharing information over Insta and Facebook. Um, so we have a, a, a presence there. Um, so check out our Facebook page, uh, which is the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy. And if you Google, you can go through and you'll see our website as well as um, our Facebook and there are frequent posts. We've got uh, a member of staff that is uh, the social media uh, engagement person. And we're also working with the New Zealand Homeopathic Society, uh, which is one of the oldest organizations in the country to promote uh, the use of homeopathy uh, in the community. And um, we offer this free course uh, also via their website. Right. Okay. So just how big would you say homeopathy in New Zealand and Australia is, say, compared to other countries in the world? Mm. Um, anybody who's been to India would see that homeopathy has a very high profile there. And it's actually uh, considered the equal uh, in terms of the government for funding and recognition in India. And that's an artifact, really, of homeopathy being introduced into uh, the Indian subcontinent during the colonial period uh, by English uh, and, um, and German physicians. So, um, yeah, very high profile there. Here, um, to a lesser degree in uh, New Zealand and Australia, but there's always been this very strong grassroots, flax roots movement um, that go right on back to colonial times. Uh, even like Dunedin had its own little homeopathic chemist uh, right back in the 1860s during the gold rush. Right. Uh, and in uh, Auckland, there was a homeopathic hospital um, uh, in the 1850s. So we've um, it's, it's always been there. It's never been a huge part of the, the provision of um, uh, health in the country, but always had strong support uh, from uh, professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this podcast. If you're enjoying the chat, stay tuned for part two, where we talk to Susanna about the power of homeopathy and remedies we can use at home to combat our gut health, emotional stress and mental well-being. At Source Podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.